What's up, guys? Welcome to the Dabao Podcast. Jada here. In this series, we bring Malaysians all around the world to you. We will have a glimpse of how life is at their side of the world. So if you're going to burn up a company, burn up someone else's company and not mine. So, so that's a single-minded <laughs> uh, 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 thought process of my dad. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dabao Podcast. So I trust that I'm not the only one that grew up eating Mummy Monster. And the brand's TV commercial song that is sang by this big, large, blue monster is probably still stuck in our head. I'm going to try to recall your memory, but give face a bit, okay? Don't laugh, huh? You gotta crunch it, shake it, munch it. So this is the song that is usually played during commercial breaks in between our favorite cartoons. Other than Mummy Monster, they actually also have Mr. Potato, Double Decker, and etc. But do you know that the company had a failed product launch in 1972 because the product was too ahead of its time? So with us on this episode, we have a third generation of our fellow Malaysians' favourite snacks company, Mami, with us. Let's welcome Pierre Pang to the Tapao Podcast. Hi, Pierre. Hi, Jada. Thanks for having me. I heard that the caps on the collaboration between Budak Bay and Mami is sold out in just 20 minutes. Yeah, so, so that caught us quite by surprise. Uh, I think this year we were quite lucky. Uh, we had a few mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, companies, well-known companies that approached us. Um, so Oxwhite was one of it. We, we did very well there oh, as well, yes. um, mm-hmm. uh, together with um, CK and his team. And then um, in conjunction with also Uniqlo's uh, flagship opening of the uh, standalone store, uh, they approached us also for a collaboration. So with Uniqlo, it's actually our second collaboration. We put up by because I personally am a fan of the new era caps, especially and Joe Flizzo. So so that was kind of like of a course. bucket list uh, tick in my list, you know. So in the past, when we were much younger, we visited the States and, and I remember buying uh, uh, one of the key things, the highlight of the trip was parents uh, bought me a Orlando Magic NBA cap, new era cap. Yeah. <laughs> and my brothers bought like the Chicago Pools and the Charlotte. So it's always been very nostalgic and, and to have an opportunity for this, you know, Kampong uh, brand all the way from Laka to collaborate with such a global brand, that, that really... Uh, made it for us. So, so it's interesting to see that, you know, uh, in about 20 minutes, everything sold out uh, online. So, yeah. so that's really encouraging. Yeah, yeah, I was so happy for you. And for our audiences, a little bit more context, Budabai is actually the brainchild of Joe Flizzo, who is one of the pioneers in Malaysia's hip-hop scene and also an award-winning rapper. You probably heard his song, that have or have or. So yeah, yeah. how do you feel about it, Pierre? Like, you know, all sold out. And then are you guys releasing more? Uh, we haven't had discussions whether we'll be releasing more or not. The, the, the things, mm-hmm. uh, things like this, what we've learned is when it comes down to campaigns where it's supposed to be limited edition, it is best kept that way. You know, it backfires sure. when when we feel a bit uh, greedy and we like to you know monetize on it more. And normally that backfires in our experience. Yes. Mm, so that sense of exclusivity is kind of like gone already if yeah. you just push up more. Absolutely. And we've talked a, a lot about the latest collaboration, but do share with us a little bit about yourself. I'm Pierre Pam, Group Executive Director of MAMI. Uh, MAMI today is uh, slightly over 50 years old uh, and we're a privately owned family business. The yearly turnover for MAMI is about 1 billion ringgit. 
uh, where we export to over 80 markets, um, having five plants around three countries in Malaysia, Indonesia, as well as Myanmar. Um, I'm personally born and bred in Melaka, so is the brand, and was educated in Melbourne Uni with uh, executive education experience in Harvard Business School in Wharton. So I'm the third generation. So the supposed generation that take this whole thing down. So let, let's see, we're working very hard to ensure that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, in, in Chinese, we have this like, is this, this thing called like, um, the, the, the family's wealth won't go beyond like the third generation. It's like, food puko santai, right? So the pressure is real big for you. Uh. Yep. So I, I think that, that, that we're very glad that in respect to this, I think that uh, uh, my dad and the family, my dad's a C, group CEO today, I think that there's mm-hmm. great foresight uh, in regards to this specifically. I think because, I guess the numbers don't lie, uh, where transition True. beyond the third generation is always a challenge. So uh, with that, if I can speak a bit more about the founding members of the business. So my dad never really had the opportunity for tertiary education. So growing up, uh, uh, the family was rather... Uh, not well to do. So my grandfather came from Hainan Island in, if I, uh, from China uh, back then. Oh, same. Yeah. Oh, Hainanese also? <laughs> yes. Okay, fantastic. Um, mm. so, so typically, I mean, uh, the stereotype of Hainanese coming and opening coffee shop. So that's exactly his path. And mm. after honing his skills in the coffee shop where he had to maintain his own uh, fridge, right? So he developed some mechanical uh, um, uh, expertise and from there there was an opportunity for my grandfather and his cousins to actually uh, go into the car trading business right where they they had uh, a little business on car trading back then and and further honing his skills being a mechanic servicing the cars that he sell uh, uh, gave him more uh, so-called indirect engineering experience so one day he Mm. had the opportunity um, to meet some Taiwanese that eventually led him towards the instant noodle world. So, so growing up in that environment, my dad really didn't have a lot of money to, for him to be able to expand his education outside Malaysia. But one thing that was very clear mm-hmm. was that, you know, education, exposure and constant learning and growth, it's important. And he always has kept himself up reading. You know? And when he had the opportunity about 20 years back, he enrolled himself into executive MBA uh, at Harvard Business School. So, so, so that was wow. the, 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 the pivotal moment that really, I guess, uh, shifted uh, the overall prospects of Mami, whereby he was exposed to uh, modern marketing, the importance of marketing, the importance of system processes, you know, technology, etc. And since then, uh, him coming back and revolutionized the business to another level, uh, to where we are today. Yeah, so, so through that as well, mm. he, he, he foresaw that, you know, uh, you know, uh, being a generational business, he needed to equip all of us in the third generation to be uh, ready for the business as well. So a few key things was done. Uh, I guess the first thing was the rule whereby none of us in the third generation can come into the business without three to five years experience outside. You know? So myself upon graduating, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So upon graduating, I went uh, into advertising with Ogilvy uh, in Malaysia before starting up my own uh, small startup and then eventually coming into the family business. That's a great one because I, like many many people, right, feel like they feel a bit left out if they just join the family business directly, right? So you would really, really remove that feeling when you just 
get yourself out there into a business or a company that's outside of your family business during your first job? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the main insight, the single-minded insight is just very simple, right? If you're going to burn up another company, right? So if you're going to burn up a company, burn up someone else's company and not mine. So, so that's a single-minded <laughs> uh, 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 thought process of my dad. So jokes aside, so, so that's really one thing, exposure and, and exposure to reality, exposure to working with someone else's that is not uh, someone else that is not the family, it's important. The second thing is constant mm. growth and education. So we have the luxury of uh, um, um, education, good education. And since then as well, my dad has always insisted that as we rise up the ranks, right, we have to constantly develop. And, and myself, my older brother, Vuitton, have also uh, been to Harvard Business School uh, um, to, to upgrade on our learnings and education. And personally for myself, because I wasn't a numbers person, so my, my both brothers... Uh, and my sister are, are accounts and finance background. Myself is more mm. information systems and uh, marketing. So then I enrolled on uh, into uh, Wharton for a program to beef up my finance side. Yeah, and there's it is completely out of like the scope of this interview. But I'm so curious, right? There are so many executives that uh, we can see in Malaysia, right? Many many successful entrepreneurs. They actually enrolled in the like, Harvard's like uh, what's it called? Harvard's executive program. So how do you actually get yourself in there? Um, you, you need to go through the apply process. That, uh, depending mm-hmm. on the program, uh, the majority of the program will require fairly uh, um, a, a duration of about at least five to ten years worth of uh, um, executive working experience. Mm. So, so it's, it's uh, a few things and then going through an interview before being uh, accepted. So it's not something that, oh, I have money, then I can go and enroll, right? Of course, uh, money is, is one thing. Uh, you need to be yeah. <laughs> sponsored by the company uh, for them to consider in the interview. But uh, other than that, um, experience counts as well as uh, the interview. Yeah, so if any of you are interested in joining this program, like don't ha- don't rush. Okay, just do what you're doing and when it's time, then just go. But right now, just focus on what we're doing. We're just starting out. And to be honest, right, did you eat a lot of mummy monster snacks growing up? I think that is something that, you, you know how the grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, we, we always, I mean, as, <laughs> as human beings, we're always... Uh, uh, not grateful for what is in front of us, right? So mm-hmm. I think that when we when we are young, growing up, and we speak to all our friends and all, and every every time we say that, oh, uh, uh, the family business is mummy. I mean, we can see other people's eyes light up, you know, especially when when they 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 think about mummy monster rather than mummy the brand. So so yeah. we never really understood that growing up, but but it, we never really understood the power of the brand and how impactful it was uh, emotionally into uh, kids as part of their childhood until i guess we grow up and truly appreciate that so to answer your question snack is always lying around everywhere prototypes that are of products that have not been launched are lying everywhere but it is it's, oh. it's something that we enjoy but we never truly appreciate until uh, uh much later oh so it means that like for every new flavor right just let's just take for example then like your father or your grandfather would just let like the brothers and you to just try yeah, yeah. To some extent, we are the wow. uh, we are the uh, test. Uh, I mean, the, the testing kits. Uh, because the, the rule is always that <laughs> the rule up to today is that we will never launch something that we would not want our kids to consume. Yeah. So it's always that mm. you know our kids are uh, one of the first to actually try the product back way when I, uh, my brothers, my sisters, and I, my cousins we were much younger. Uh, we, we always had to try all the uh, new invention. 
around the kitchen table. Yeah. Yeah. So do you let your kids to do that? Yeah, actually as well. Because uh, today, but today uh, we market a lot more to the teens. So, oh, so we true. do a lot of focus group around the teens. Uh, mm. But yeah, definitely because whatever we feel that uh, it's relevant for the teens, uh, there's a big chance that the younger kids are also uh, will be open to be picking it up. Yeah, that's really cool. I can't imagine like, oh my God, you guys are the first few people to try. But to be honest, when you are in that kind of situation, right, you, you probably don't know, you know, how privileged that is. And then right now when we grow up and, and then we look back and then we're like, wow, that's really such an honor. And today, Pierre plays a strategic role in driving growth and market share. Like not only focused in Malaysia, right? It's it's basically like all over the region. Yeah. So, um. We largely see ourselves as a regional player, ASEAN snacking mm-hmm. company, uh, where we export to over 80 markets. But largely, Southeast Asia would be the biggest uh, contributor to our business, where we have uh, five manufacturing plants in Malaysia and one in um, Indonesia, Jakarta, and one more in Yangon, Myanmar. Mm. Yeah, I hope that like everything, the, the factory facilities, everything is okay in Myanmar right now. It's not... Yeah, I mean, it's challenging times. Um, mm. uh, it's challenging times because we have certain days where where uh, there is a planned demonstration in the city and, and, and some yeah. uh, workers maybe want to be part of it. As a business, we are neutral. Like, like we don't cite any yes. side being a, a, a business. But at the end of the day, we also recognize that our workers have their own rights and their own will. And, and we try to be as flexible as possible. Oh, that's so kind of you. Yeah. And so when was the time when you realized that, oh my God, like my grandfather is actually making snacks that many of the Malaysian kids are eating. So was it during like primary school or when? Yeah. uh, Because back then in primary school, one of the things that worked very well was that in every pack, you have this like sticker tattoo or you have all these collectibles. So so, um, it's very interesting that the most vivid memory for me was that seeing... Um, many people in my my school um, actually buying up the product at the school canteen, but actually, you know, consuming one, the second pack, the, the, by the time they reached to the second pack to the third pack, right, all they did mm-hmm. was they, they open up the pack, they, they, they pass on the snack to someone else and they just keep the, the sticker or the collectible uh, uh, premium <laughs> themselves. So, so they keep buying, but obviously they won't be able to consume everything that they buy. And, and the mm-hmm. whole idea of, you know, uh, uh, this... Uh, uh, premium, we call it, or, or this little mm. sticker collectible has such a major impact in terms of how it engaged and excited the consumer. But, but the consumer has evolved. I think if you look at the kids today, look at, look at my kids today, um, it's less relatable in terms of what worked uh, 20, 30 years ago versus today. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's very different right now. And I remember you always mentioned that mommy is in the business of selling emotions not products. Can you share a bit more? So today we live in a very, very different world. I think with, mm. with social media, inevitably, you know, uh, it has changed a lot psychologically. It's just that we don't consciously think about it. Uh, what excited kids in the last generation uh, is very different from what excites us. Um, and, and it's something that we put a lot of attention and investment into understanding better. Um, mm. So So we... To, to be honest, this is credit to Tim, right? Timothy Tia, a good friend of mine. Oh. Uh, he exposed mm. me to the idea of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So, so back in school, college, that's something mm, yes. that we have learned. 
but something never really consciously implemented to our business. So if you go back to Maslow hierarchy of needs, that's physiological needs right at the bottom, safety needs, belonging, self-esteem, mm-hmm. eventually self-actualization. Yes. In the past, if we relate to the business during my grandfather's time, uh, the, the bottom two rungs are, are very important. So, so the need of, for example, when we do promotions like buy five, free one packet works super well is because in the past, you know, people will have, uh, people have much lesser income, many children. And what was the primary concern was to feed their children. That, that's the very basic, uh, 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 you know, need uh, to feed themselves to ensure yeah. that they, are, they don't go hungry, etc., etc. And then on the other part was uh, because a product like uh, instant noodles or packaged snacks was so early in its time, uh, that whole idea about is it halal, is it safe, you know, food safety and all that, all these were the key primary concerns. But you ask yourself today in, uh, among your friends or among us, how many of us actually wake up thankfully feeling hungry or having the fear of where's my next meal going to come from? I think that many of us do not have this. I don't think that we, that we have that kind of like fear or like worry anymore like very gratefully at this generation absolutely but something that we take so for granted right but that Mm. said despite us not having this worry it's arguably i mean not arguably i mean it's fact driven that this generation is a lot more stressed than the last generation it has a lot more depression there's a lot more anxiety that goes around versus the last generation but the funny thing is what can be more important than staying fat and alive right I've recently have been reading this book called like This is Marketing by Seth Godin. Have you heard about it? Yep. Yeah, and basically they say that, right, we need to understand the irrational forces that drive each of us. That's basically like my favorite part of the whole book where they say that we are actually not like rational beings and by understanding the irrational forces, they can let us sell our things better. And so like what you say, right, like I feel like when I was young, I want to buy a certain snacks, not because that it's tasty, but I really enjoy the treasure hunting process. Like what you say, right? Whether it's sticker collection or like, you know, collecting the merchandises. And I realized that mommy always do that. Mm. So so I think in the past, it was more, uh, um, in a way, we, we did, uh, I think, I can't speak because uh, that wasn't uh, during my time, but basically what we understand from it is these are the type of things that what, children like right that's a form of excitement mm. that's a form of engagement but if we process it in a more in a more technical manner now at the end of the day it's it's, it's the same thing right it's at the end of the day uh higher up the the level of uh the hierarchy of needs it's the sense of belonging as well as self-esteem so mm. so, so i give an example like like recently we launched the um mummy monster I, i'm not sure where you're aware because you're in hong kong uh, where in in Which December, collaboration? The, the black uh, mummy monster where where you had to hunt yes for it. yeah so, so that went <laughs> off the charts for us uh uh in in many different metrics whether it's in terms of sales whether it's in google searches whether in terms of market share it went uh, off the charts for us with fairly conservative marketing spend so we don't spend a lot to generate it but it just went mm. around and the understanding of it is that it all goes back to human psychology for example when we when we study deeper into this and we study companies that have been very successful, then then that was the start of when we 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 changed our total marketing strategy. In the past, it's about okay, how much dollars do you have? Uh, then you track the ROI by putting some into TV, <laughs> putting some to radio, etc., mm-hmm. and look at your reach, etc., etc. Right? But that is fairly primitive in our eyes these days. We studied companies like Apple. We studied companies like Starbucks. Uh, 
uh, Tesla, Haidilao even. And one question that we ask ourselves is, why if we look into the chart of the most valuable companies today, we look at companies like the ones I've just mentioned, but if we look at it 30 years ago, it is companies like Chevron and all these financial or mm. commodities company. Anybody that 30 years, 40 years or 50 years ago controlled commodities like oil uh, and various other commodities, right, are the ones that are the most valued companies in the world. But today, the most valued companies in the world, the trillion dollar companies in the world, are the ones that sells you something on the surface. You, exactly. It, it, on the surface, you might mm. say that Apple sells technology. But if you ask an Apple person like, okay, why do you buy an iPhone and pay like six to 8,000 ringgit for it, right? It's like, oh, because the specs is damn power. Lah. Oh, really? Once you go to a spec list, right? There's Huawei actually gives, uh, and Samsung gives better spec. Oh no, because uh, the camera is damn power. There's three cameras, you know. Oh, really? Huawei works with uh, a Leica and a better camera at a much lower cost. And they say, no, lah, the design very nice, lah, you know, this and that. Hey, but this design, Samsung had it a few years ago. So, Mm. because doesn't make sense right exactly as what you mentioned just now rationally you are not able to justify why you pay a premium for something like a a tesla or a ipad iphone oh quick one right i actually bought a new iphone because i finished the steve jobs book <laughs> yeah so fantastic so 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 there's many different reasons and a lot of it is the subconscious need of either social belonging or self-esteem. For example, it makes, uh, like, if all your friends in your group has an iPhone and you are carrying the old Nokia, that impacts mm. on your belonging self-esteem. and self-esteem. And mm. at the core of it, that's really what marketing is or what commercialism is. You know, Essentially, that the great marketers are the ones that can sell you something that is worth way more than the physical or the service or the physical product that is in your hands or in, in front of you. For example, uh, Starbucks is another fantastic example when we studied it. Yes. So why do you consume hmm. coffee? It's very clear. People tell you that, oh, because I need to stay awake, la, this, this and that. So it's for the physical, tangible attribute of what a coffee bean could give you, which is uh, uh, staying awake through the caffeine that it has. So why is it that we go out to Starbucks where we say, oh, yo, no enough money and all that, but we go to Starbucks and we pay 12 ringgit for Americano. When a kopi tiam outside is 120 for kopi o kosong, and we say, nah, no, I, I want to spend that 12 bucks, right? Although I say that I don't have enough money. Yeah. Why do we consciously, yeah. as rational human beings, pay nine times more for something that gives us the exact physical effect? There's no logic in that, right? Yeah. So I think we all know that, yeah, products are important, but what really makes a product to stand out, right? And to stay is the emotions that you can associate with it and the consumer experience as well. So how do we take that from understanding it, understanding it like, you know, in the textbook context and to really implement it? So through the understanding, I guess that's the first step that essentially since we understood mm. and, and we had all these case studies that, that justified uh, uh, this, then the question is, okay, how do we go about it? At the end of the day, right, looking at something like Apple and like, you know, the whole wow, we are this little company from Laka, this kampung company, this kampung brand, right? How are we going to be able to take this learning and implement, right? So, mm. so that, that, that uncertainty, the lack of confidence was, was a, a big part at the early days, right? Because, I mean, like, like coming into third generation as well, like, uh, uh, you're trying to bring change, you're trying to have new thinking, new, new ways to implement things. It's always a challenge because your distributors will be like, hey, 
hey, Saibo, you know, is this the way to do it? Uh, <laughs> your own stuff, like, hey, cannot be, la, all this while, we spend this amount, then we got sales, ma, cannot be, ma, show price, show got sales, ma, where can do all these things, what, what is this nonsense, we're a snack company, you know, you know? <laughs> so there's all this uncertainty, is definitely there, one. so so therefore, that, 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 that curve is always steepest at the front, but, but thankfully, what I'm very grateful for, it's always uh, uh, for my dad and my CEO who, who always allow us to try. I, I mean, I mean, the, the, the other thing that I would like to add is in terms of coming to family business, it's the, the foresight of the, the, the generation before you has to be very strong to make this work in the sense whereby I, I said that my, my dad had the foresight to ensure us that we constantly have growth mindset to constantly learn. But the other part was also acknowledging that we need a runway to come in early to fail and learn, fail and learn, fail and learn. And a lot of the times, mm. because we also have friends who are in family business and unfortunately their story are also very uh, uh, painful and pitiful, it's because the patriarch continues to hold power and make all decisions until the deathbed. So you have this poor so-called the next generation who's coming to take over, who, who is brought in, but at the end of the day, not exposed to the realities of the business, not exposed to the uh, dynamics of the business. And when it's time to take over, for example, suddenly the father had to retire because of health reasons or whatever reasons, the baton is now passed on to this, this, this person. And this person may not be young, maybe like 40s, but may not have the direct, uh, uh, in a way, management of the business, direct... Uh, understanding of the business and also working with the various stakeholder and suddenly overnight just taking power and that's where a lot of times things go wrong you know yeah and to be honest right if you look at it from the outside and you really work inside a company right it's, it's really really different and like you mentioned that you actually failed during some of your you know your your decisions like share with us like I, I could write I could write a book of my failures uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> you know because the thing is that Mm. I guess coming in young, the greatest enemy is always yourself and your ego, regardless. Even mm. And generally, I, I think I, I'm someone that, that I wouldn't say have a big ego, but the whole point is that when you're young and inexperienced, especially when you start off early with some form of success, you know, uh, even a small mm. success, it gets to you very, very quickly, at least in my perspective, I speak for myself, it, it was very easy at that point to come in and when when things start to uh, uh, happen right take off mm. alright but the thing is that for things to, to happen in the grand scheme of things it's always very rarely because of one person or one person's effort it's always a combination of many things right As, and many other team players that, that come together but the takeaway for someone that is young and inexperienced is wow I made an impact and I must have done something right right so, so that gets to you very, very quickly. And, and that's always a, a something to look out for. So, so humility, self-awareness, these are some of the key things that, that I constantly uh, live by today and constantly remind myself. Uh, having a mirror in front of me at all times, not literally, <laughs> but, but just, just having a reflective moment to, to recap as to what we can do better and, and, and always understanding the perspective of the other side, it, it's important. So, so I, I won't go into detail about the failures that I have, but it's just so many. I, I think that 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 uh, it, it's a process that we have to go through because you know sometimes as they say, you know, sounds like uh, mm. they say, okay, there's a plate of of chakritiyao, right? They eat and that people say, wow, sour already. You know, it's just human tendency to be, huh? Really, a sour? Let me try. Let me try. Oh yeah, <laughs> sour. Huh? 
Or if someone, you know, you know, uh, you, mm. you hear an odd smell and say, hey, someone farted, then you got to go like, oh, really? Let me smell. Oh, yeah. Someone farted. <laughs> you just have to confirm it. So, so at the end of the day, the learning or the takeaway for me there is that some things you just have to go through yourself. And, and, and mm. I'm very grateful for, for my boss and my dad that always give us that runway to make mistakes. Through his experience, he know already, this one will be side one. Sure, long pia one. You know? Long pia. Yeah, you know, sure, knock the wall one. But he, he a, a lot, many times he's like, okay, as long as whatever they may be doing, the decision that they may make will not take down the company in this instance, okay, let them go long pia, let them learn from it. You know? and, and that has yeah, been yeah. very, very important. Mm, your dad's probably think that ah, it's a calculated race. Ah, just let Peter go ahead and learn. Yeah, correct. Because sometimes uh, we just will only learn when we, we, we knock ourselves in the head. We feel pain, then we learn. We can't just look at the book, read. If everybody, every entrepreneur can be successful just reading off other people's case studies on, uh, uh, and avoid every pitfall and be successful, then there will be many successful entrepreneurs around the world. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think this is a very uh, different perspective that we have on the show because in the past, right, we used to have like many, many like seasoned entrepreneurs on the show and basically what they do is they just like start and feel, start and feel in their own entrepreneur journey and with here is that they actually come into a family business. So when many of us, right, so I my mom has like a small business but I really couldn't uh, imagine how, what would happen if I work with her professionally. So when we come to the company as the second or third generation or the fourth generation successor, right, we probably have our own values and visions. So how did you manage to integrate what you want to achieve personally in life and to put that together in the picture of like the family business? Well, one thing I'm grateful for is uh, I always from young had the passion for the business and passion mm. for business in general and passion for the mommy business. Uh, so, so that was an easy one for me uh, in the sense whereby I didn't have to force myself into something, into doing something that I wasn't passionate about. Uh, but, and I always have been a, a marketing-minded a person, very intrigued and very excited with mar- all things marketing. Uh, and I'm very mm. grateful, like I mentioned, that, that being a, a so-called Chinaman company, uh, my dad believes in marketing and believes in investing in marketing and, and that helped as well. So to some extent, there's a lot of luck for me in this path given that I didn't have a lot of resistance that I have to challenge the past generation in terms of how to modernize the business. But that said, you know, with the white piece of paper, we still have to fill it up. You know? And, and, and where we started the journey is also through failures that eventually led us towards understanding the psychology of human behavior better and since then uh, uh, craft a, a secret sauce strategy that builds around that you know and since then we have had uh, the collaboration with uh, Shinsege Food so we have a JV led by my uh, older brother Vuitton where we have a 50-50 JV with Shinsege Foods in Korea so Shinsege is a yes. part of the Samsung Chebo huge company mm-hmm. multi-billion uh, dollars company and and when we, we we look at trends generally in our marketing um, and research, and one of the key trends was, of course, um, Korean and the whole Korean culture, K-pop, K-drama, as well as K-food, right? And and we knew that there's an opportunity in this space, but there isn't there and there's a gap in the market. You talk about Korean food, obviously, we are not the subject matter expert in this, so therefore we seek out a partner. And so happened, yes. they were also looking to for a partner that is able to give them halal capabilities. Everything that we do to, uh, in Mami is halal. So, so we formed mm. a joint venture to produce 
Korean uh, halal Korean food uh, to serve the, the world, um, largely starting from Southeast Asia. So, so that's one collaboration that led to the ghost pepper uh, uh, spicy noodle oh, challenge, which did mm. very well for us as well. And then since then, mm-hmm. we have also worked with uh, Brandu with Tea Life to launch that, that, that boba challenge. Uh, and a few more lines up, you know. So, so there is collaboration that has been done and lined up in in the food space as well as outside the food space. Outside the food space are like those, like fashion collaborations that has happened recently. Yeah. So as we know, right, Mummy has been and will be collaborating with different companies. So, like, share with us some of the BTS of like you know all the things that we see online. Do they actually? Most of them actually approach approach mommy and say that hey let's do this right uh, it's both ways you know, it's both ways mm-hmm. uh, um, with with uh, Life one for example uh, because as part of our our investments in understanding consumers trends as well as consumer psychology a few key teams uh, pop up one like for example bubble tea as a team pop up right but then the question we mm. ask ourselves oh this is a challenge right how do we look at snacking or instant noodles right and link it to the trend <laughs> like like bubble tea so we went quite well you know so so we mm-hmm. went in, okay, why don't we just go crazy and 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 do this bubble tea flavored noodle, which tastes absolutely crazy, right? We, yeah. we know it from the front. If you look at the comments, right, nine out of ten will tell you that are you mental? La? Some even say, mm. I'm gonna call the police, la, you know, this is not even supposed to come out. It's horrible. Yeah. But we're mm. very conscious about it. The thing with a good script, and, and all this is we, we we with all these collaborations or all this viral campaigns that we do, we akin it to mm-hmm. a good Korean drama script. In any good drama, you must have conflict. You know? Yes. So you must have the highs and then you must have the lows. The deeper the highs, eh, the higher the highs, the deeper the lows gives you a better script. So we knew yeah. that if we're going out to do something boba, for example, and relate it to a range of products, if we go safe, at the right from the start, nobody will care, right? So we mm. consciously created something that we are confident would give us conflict. So the, the result was wow. a cup noodle, right? Instead mm-hmm. of uh, a, a savory broth, we will sop it with a sweet and savory milk tea soup. Then not only that, then let's throw in spiciness because we are known for spiciness, right? And then let's throw mm. in boba and then let's throw in a straw that you can put ice in and drink this weird concoction, you know, a uh, uh, true mm. straw. So, so we had this product ready and we, we were confident that this is going to create an uproar, right? Uh, sometimes it's okay to be infamous as well, famous for the wrong things, you know, a, a, as part of a bigger strategy. So then we took this to Brian and said, hey, Brian, crazy enough, I want to try this. Uh, yeah. And, and Brian, Brian uh, with his team being key experts, also uh, uh, gave some feedback and tweaked the product to be uh, what it was in the final uh, range. La. So it took a lot of guts, la, right, to launch something like this. Sure. But but why we did it was, we, if you take this in a traditional sense, whether you take it to a multinational company or you take it to a more conservative market, uh, company, you get thrown out. You probably get sacked as a marketing person, right? <laughs> but we knew that yeah. in a modern world where you do not use millions of dollars to create attention, you need to create a good story of conflict in order to gather attention. So, so, so we launched that first, that created an uproar, created a lot of coverage in terms of social media and key opinion leaders, right? And then the second phase, we launched something that's a lot more palatable, a mi goreng version, which tastes 
very, very good. And, and, and that's the journey, launching something to create mm-hmm. uproar and then after that, follow up with something that, hey, that was a prank, you know, try this, this is, this is, <laughs> this is yeah. Yeah, so basically, I think the most important key takeaway, right, is not to tell you go and go ahead and do like a crazy product and then that's it, right? There's no funnel to it. So there's a, basically like a greater plan ahead and that's how Spicy Me Boba came into the picture and then creating more noise in the market, I would say, a good kind of noise and then they created more sales and revenue for the company. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so we are very clear that all this, the thing is that what we say is that be careful to not innovate for innovation's sake. It, it's, yes. It's, I mean, the, the, the major takeaway, I hope the listeners don't take away from this is that, okay, and this is what I do now. Right now, I drop everything that I'm doing and I'm just going to do something crazy because crazy equals to success. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's not as simple. Uh, you have to be very, very frank. The thing with innovation is you might do 10 things and then 8 things fail, 9 things fail, if not 10 things fail. That's the thing with innovation. That is a much higher risk. So for us, the clarity is, is, is that this is part of a much bigger strategy, right? As exciting yes. as all the things that consumers see and know mummy of today, whether it's our uh, ghost pepper challenge, whether it's this tea life collaboration, whether it's the, the, the hunt for the mummy monster black, these are the things that are sexy and what people remember. But at the end of the day, this is only about five to ten percent of revenue. True. So, so, mm. but, but what we are very conscious about is these are the activities that are very important to ensure the brand continue to be relevant among today's consumer and beyond. That's number one. And the second thing, these are very effective and good tool to recruit more new customers into our existing portfolio that is less exciting. Right. Uh, so in the past, you might be, for example, a competitor. Uh, I mean, a consumer of one of our competitors. But because today you are being excited and being engaged by these these uh, activities that we're doing, uh, uh, it might bring you into our main business where we sell you a Mr. Potato Crisps, which a boring flavor like original or hot and spicy. Because <laughs> those are the ones that are out of habit that you consume a lot more regularly. So it's also using yeah. this as a tool to recruit more customer in a what we call a low budget, high impact manner to then grow the core business uh, over the long run. So, so that's where I would like to caution that don't get distracted by the sexiness and the hype of all this because that alone, mommy won't be in business. True. And like, do you have a personal favorite collaboration? You probably will get some people quite angry if you answer this question. I, I think it's, a, it's the same question that people ask me is like, who's your favorite kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think no, I think it's, it's part of a journey of, to, to be honest, every campaign, many of mm-hmm. them are a lot less exciting, but deliver a lot more revenue and profits, right? So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the key is that we don't see, or I don't see it as which is better than the other, which one has more uh, social engagement than the other. For me, it's always about in every campaign, in every success, in every failure, there is opportunity to learn. I think that's the key part. Every campaign and a lot of it that we fail from are also success because we learn from it as to what worked and what didn't work. For example, uh, one, one, one thing that inspires is, for example, Elon Musk, every time a space, space X, uh, X um, uh, rocket blows up, you know, to them is oh, fantastic. We now know why, what not to do for the next rocket to ensure it doesn't blow up. So every blow mm. up is a bigger learning normally than every success, you know. Uh, and, and that's something that we look forward to, like, you know, we, we to some extent 
look forward to challenges and failures because that's the greatest opportunity to learn. Yeah, and I, th- I think to be honest, right, with every different like brand collaboration, you actually like penetrate a different consumer group. Like let's say it's the Boba Tea, me with, with Brian, right? It's probably like the mass market. But if you talk about Oxwide and Uniqlo, that's probably another segment as well. So I think it's very important to not just like pick like rank one to five because it's very different. Yeah, like for example, we have a partnership with... Uh an American company, the Good Crips company, where we produce mm-hmm. for, uh, in working on plant-based snacking for the future, uh, where we sell a lot now to uh, European markets and US market. Yeah. So, so that might be uh, less crazy, less exciting, but we really believe that that's where the future is for us to also have a strong footing globally in regards to plant-based snacking. So, so we're putting yeah. a lot of investment into R&D as well in that segment. So, so there are many different in a way, sub-projects that's happening, you know. Uh, and, and, and to answer your question, I honestly can't tell you that I have a favourite because I enjoy the process of learning and discovering and every different project, and as, un- as sexy as it is, unsexy as it is, uh, it's also a great learning opportunity for me. So I, I'm just truly enjoying the, the journey. Yes, uh, not a PR, PR answer. Everybody is true. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the honest uh, uh, thing. Of course, you, mm. you, you get uh, uh, a kick from, from all these sexy and successful campaigns. But at the end of the mm. day, it's also the realization that it takes a lot more for a business to keep the lights on, like, you know, beyond just a uh, 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 short term hype that, that, you know, boosts sales. Yeah. Example. Yeah. So for many, many of, like, I know on the show, there are so many aspiring entrepreneurs in our audience base as well so if they are trying to get into the food manufacturing like segment right it's actually quite hard because with all the facilities and investment initial investments right especially so how do you advise them to go upon this uh specific to food yeah okay so if i can backtrack a bit uh specific i I would only relate to what our experience or what we're doing so that's uh in a way better for me uh so so as we talked about, there's so many different innovation projects that we're working. And one thing we realized is that innovation can never only come from the four walls within Mummy. Then we will be very severely limited. So that is why you see today collaborations with all sort of brands, right? Big or small, right? So you, you, you interviewed, I mean, you had a podcast together with Jonathan Quack as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that we're actually currently working on, I think he might kill me by... I give you this first scoop. Uh, we are actually working on a program to basically incubate and accelerate snack entrepreneurs. Um, so basically, wow. Yeah. So in Mummy, we see a future whereby, in for sure, innovation is not only come from our, our four walls, but also a future where we are more of a platform than we are a manufacturer. So so if we look into it, at Mummy, we have the distribution network deeply within Malaysia and over 80 markets around the world. We have a huge R&D facility and R&D knowledge in food science as well as uh, all things uh, uh, convenient food. Uh, we have uh, basically a manufacturing facility. We, are, we have also a efficient procurement uh, uh, team that sourcing at scale, right, for a billion ringgit company. Um, and, and this is a lot of the advantage that a small entrepreneur startup with a great idea, with great founders, but do not have, 
that they faces all these challenges to start up the business, right? They're buying materials like packaging at a much higher cost because of the lack of volume. Yes. They don't know where mm-hmm. to sell, how to get uh, someone like a, a Tesco, a Giant, or 7-Eleven to take in their product, etc., etc., right? So, so we can be their platform. We can collaborate with them uh, so that we, on our end, we have access to the latest uh, uh, ideas, the, the wildest ideas, without all doing it on our own. So, so John and I, uh, we're working on setting up this incubating uh, a program where we're able to sieve out some of the very potential snack uh, entrepreneurial business and, and partner with them and give them the platform to really scale through the network that we have. So, so that's something that we are looking to do because we see that as a pain point where we can have mutual benefit. If that makes sense. Well, I don't know how our audiences are feeling, but I'm sure feeling extremely excited about this. <laughs> so, so we hope so because uh, uh, this was supposed to happen right about now, but because of the pandemic, uh, we delayed mm. it. Uh, we wanted it to be a full immersive experience where together with what uh, uh, Owner Circle could provide, the development yes. side of mm. being entrepreneur and our side focusing on, on what we uh, uh, do best in terms of snacking and bring that two together to build the next uh, uh, top uh, snackpreneur, uh, you know. Wow. So, so yeah, I, I should stop talking about this because John, was saying, <laughs> uh, you could have a second second session with John to have more information on this. Yes. So, sorry guys, not that much information. You have a good taste and if you are interested in joining, if you're a snack entrepreneur and you're interested in joining, you should definitely contact um, Pierre and Jonathan Quick directly. So, you managed to ask Gary V about why does he do what he do? Well, you definitely did your research. Uh, I, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> forgot about that moment. And that means, yeah. Yeah, sorry, what's the question again? Yeah, so he actually helped us to put into perspective that, you know, it's actually extremely lucky to be even alive, right? Mm-hmm. So how about you, Pierre? Why do you do what you do? I mean, I, I have a different motivation, right? I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very conscious that I'm in a position of, uh, how do you say, privilege. That is something that I don't deny. That is something that I appreciate and I'm very grateful for. Um, and, and and beyond that, I'm grateful to have a platform to to try to make a difference, you know, and, and, and in the part of the whole journey to, to, to enjoy the whole experience. So, so for me, it's from the day I was born, what, what kept me alive, what fed me is the proceeds that come from mommy. So that there's mm. the whole idea of the gratitude towards what the founding members of my dad, my uncle, my grandfather has gone through, the sacrifice. And, and let me tell you that, that, that despite some of the wins that we might have recently, etc., it comes nowhere close to starting a business and scaling it to be stable. I think that's why there's so much admiration yeah. goes into so all the startups, right? It's not about what is the size of mommy today and what's the size of a startup. The admiration of just someone decided to just take the plunge and start a business is, is tremendous for me personally. So I have great respect for that and great respect for, for the founders of uh, mommy. So there is this, today it's no more about, okay, how much can we grow? How much money we can earn and all that. But the, the single-minded and I, I believe I can speak this on behalf of my siblings as well as my cousin, is that the single-minded mm-hmm. objective is to ensure we continue the legacy of my grandfather, you know, who started mm-hmm. the business. So, so that is that is a single-minded uh, motivation that we wake up every morning to, is to ensure that we not only keep the business relevant and alive, but 
bigger than bigger than ever, stronger than ever, more impactful than ever. And that is not because we are good, but because it's the legacy of our grandfather who, who took the first plunge to give us and worked so hard day and night to, to give us mm. uh, uh, this opportunity. You know? so, so it's very clear for us that it's about reinventing a Chinaman business to ensure that we could be a regional or a world beater uh, one day down the road. So it's not about anything mm. else aside from that. Yeah, I think from like an outsider perspective, right, we'll probably be like quite like jealous and say that, oh uh, yeah, he probably have done it because like oh uh, the the grandparents and the, the parents uh have really set a very clear path for them. But to be honest, we didn't know like how much effort are still continuously being put into to make it how it is today. So definitely, definitely some some very interesting story from PS. Well, because I think I've tried to search many information online, but to be honest, I still haven't heard one that PA has shared so much personal stories. And I'm really, really grateful for that, PS. I, I think where I would add on to that is that at the end of the day, the grass is always going to be greener the other side, right? Because the thing <laughs> is that if, if you feel you if you feel you don't have it if, if enough, that you can look to the left and you see that people have a lot lesser. And if you feel that you have a lot, you look to the right and you have people who have a lot more. For example, yes, I I, 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 I do acknowledge and I, I'm very grateful that we are in a position mm. of, of privilege if you compare to, to many others. But we also have friends, for example, one of our, my good friend is uh, 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 the... The Sai family from China, which owns uh, uh, Taiwan, sorry, uh, which owns uh, the biggest snacking company in in China, One One, right? Mm, so, yes. so, so, so when you when you hang around with people like them, they fly you through their their private jets and all that, you know? and and you're not talking about just a bombardier or anything like that, a proper Airbus, you know what I mean? Uh, um, it's it's a proper Airbus, like a slightly smaller than what you normally fly on a Air Asia plane, for example. So that's the scale of what. Like money, so so money is irrelevant. I feel money is is just uh, relative, right? Yes, some people may may be may be born into a, a a position of less privilege or more privilege, but at the end of the day, all those don't matter. It's what matters is looking ahead of and around what we have and making the most of it. Yeah, you know? if we if we start the comparison journey, that's the start of every downfall. Yeah, you know? um, mm. because at, at the end of the day, no matter what platform you start with, you always have the opportunity to do better. You always have the opportunity to succeed. Although if you start on the lower platform, arguably it is, you have to work harder, it is tougher. But at the end of the day, everybody has opportunities and, 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 and we focus on what we can influence in order to, to, to go ahead rather than what we need to suck about, what we need to complain about. You know, because if, mm. even in, in my position, there's a lot to complain about if I, if I want to choose that way. You know? uh, um, <laughs> so, so really don't bother. Yeah, and I think throughout the interview, one thing that's very constant, right? The element is that to be mindful, to look within and not to compare and then just do what you're doing. And that's really inspiring. So for our audiences that would like to learn more about entrepreneurship and, you know, to know what's going on on Mummy next. So share with us, how can we stay connected with you? Personally, on a personal level, I, I uh, my social media is largely uh, sharing about things at work. I, I'm largely mm. an introvert. I'm largely a private person. So the best way to learn about the company is to follow our social media pages of our various brands like uh, Mummy mm-hmm. Monster, Mr. Potato, and, and I do share time uh, uh, here and there uh, through my own personal Instagram page on the 
the, the latest activities that we're doing. Uh, but definitely for every activity that we do, uh, rest assured that uh, we will be sharing it. And largely the core tool for us is through social media. So that, that the Stack Entrepreneur Accelerator program as well is something that we look to announce in the months ahead. So stay tuned. Um, I think it largely will be driven through owner circle side and us uh, working mm-hmm. in collaboration with them. So that will probably be one of the uh, 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 more future-led uh, initiatives that we will we'll be doing uh, where the rest are all more brand-related. Yes. And so, you know, if you're stuck at home and you want to get your hands on Mummy's products, do go online because your products are available on Shopee, I believe. Yes. So, so <laughs> specific to that, uh, um, we are today available on Shopee, Lazada and all that. But where we sell the best, uh, it's through uh, Facebook live selling. Um, oh. So, so that, that's interestingly... Uh, uh, <laughs> interesting development uh, or learning for us because we always thought that oh okay you know Lazada Shopee is going to give us the biggest contribution but the issue is that what our uh, our realisation is you see we are impulse item and we are very bulky and low value so there's a challenge (laughs) of logistic cost and on the impulsive side when you you feel like a snack you want it now you you can't wait for five days later for your impulse (laughs) to be met you know Mm. So, so wow. through that, we are also working on a few initiatives in terms of uh, the future of the product availability. So that's leveraging more on Grab, Food Panda, etc., etc., for a network of of, of, of stockists, etc. So, so we're working on that as well. So that when you have a a, a urge to have a mummy monster or a Mr. Potato snack, you can get it within thirty minutes or lesser at your doorstep. So we're working on that as well. So many exciting pipelines, man. And like what we've mentioned in the beginning of the show, the cats between the collab of Mami and Buddha Bai are all sold out, but you still can ha- get a hold of the rest of the merch online. So do support, all right? Uh, yeah, okay, so I, I, I have one, right, that I've not seen, but I will give it to you, Jada, so you can do like a little <laughs> giveaway on your thing. Uh, I've not touched oh. it, but I think I, I, I have one, so I'll give away that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Find find a find Can a mechanic. Personally, <laughs> sorry guys, I can't give it to you. It's a really 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 valuable one for me. Can I do that? Yeah. So so uh, I let you decide. So thank you so much, Pierre. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram at jaida underscore ow if you'd like to have more contents like this. And let me know who you like to have on the show next. Don't forget to stream all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Stay healthy, stay safe. I'm Jada Al from the Tapal Podcast, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.